0: Before we took our private equity deal, I was probably hundred pounds. At 20 years old, Helene dropped out of Monmouth University and became an account executive at Theory. From there, she landed top positions at Jay Lindbergh and Miss 60, and then created her own clothing store, Cantaloupe, that would rival Intermix and Scoop. In 2013, the young fashion entrepreneur leveraged her experience to co-found the world-renowned luxury color cosmetics brand, Surat Beauty. Surat Beauty's do-it-yourself attitude is the embodiment of everything Helene believed in. Their products now sit on the shelves of Bergdorf Goodman, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Blue Mercury, and over 200 stores worldwide. I was about 20. And my good friend from high school calls me and she's getting ready to graduate from Cornell. And she said, you know, my cousin works for theory and they're looking for sales assistants. Do you know anyone that might want to do that? And I was like, you know, I don't really know anyone, but maybe I'll go interview. So I don't know why I decided to, but I went and I interviewed and I got that job. And so that was my first, you know, real, Corporate job. What was your role at theory? So I was an account executive there and so I dealt with the specialty stores on the East Coast and the Southwest and um, I spent about a year there. I don't know if that's a short amount of time or a long amount of time but I learned so much working in that one place because it was intense, like if you got to work at eight o'clock in the morning, you were already late. So that was my education, you know. And from there, I was recruited to a Swedish company It was basically running sales for the U.S. for the women's collection. We did, you know, at the time we were like dressing all the doormen at all of the cool clubs in the city, right? So we can get in anywhere and there were all these parties and things and, you know, celebrities that were on the cusp of becoming really huge that we were dressing because it was mainly known for being a men's brand i handled the women's but it was mainly known for men's so we had all of this other stuff going on that i was exposed to so then i went to a company called miss 60 which was owned by um it was owned by 60 they owned energy jeans and it was an italian denim company and they were launching a new division there and so i was hired to do sales for the us for that company and i'd at that point had all of this experience kind of writing orders for all the buyers that would come in. So I knew everyone at that point and it was kind of automatic. Like, okay, what should I buy? And I would write all the orders and kind of knew what their budgets were. And at that point I was um, dating my future husband and he sees like the hours that I'm working and all of this stuff and, and then writing all of the orders. And he was in retail and was like, you have all this experience, and you know, all these stores and on the Upper East Side are like doing incredible volume. You're, like, you're telling me that they're writing like $30,000 orders a month, like, there's a lot of business to be done there. Let's open a store. And um, we took a store on the corner of 74th and Lexington, which was like a prime location, but a lot of the stores were on Third Avenue, so it was like a little apart from everyone, so it stood alone, it was on a corner and it was bright and colorful and immediately we got a lot of press and partially because the brands that I had had credits in Vogue and different magazines but they didn't have great distribution in the US so they would name my store which was Cantaloupe they would name it for like available at so before the store was even open like while we were under construction I'd have a waiting list for like this one dress from Australia that like people wanted because they saw it in Vogue. I hired the girl that did PR at Jay Lindbergh, who I happened to go to sleepaway camp with also, that like ended up at this job with me at Jay Lindbergh, and I was like, do you have any spare time? Will you do like freelance PR for me? And she did freelance PR for like a minimal amount, and she was like, okay, I got you a placement in Vogue and they're coming to shoot like next week. So I was like, okay, that's really cool. So, um, So I opened the store and it's really exciting and we have great press and Vogue is coming to do this shoot and I'm like this 23-year-old kid, (laughs) you know, and I have Scoop coming in and spying on the store and Intermix and all of these other places that are really established. I'm like, why do they care what I'm doing? But we had a lot of buzz. And um, so Vogue comes to shoot and they send hair and makeup and they send a makeup artist and his name is troy serrat and we become friendly you know and this is in 2003. so um you know we meet i get married he does my wedding makeup and we don't see each other for many years i continue opening stores at the stores for a long time and then in 2008 retail became really really tough so we made the decision to close the store and then re- my father had called he was he was doing beauty products and um asked me to work on a particular project that was beauty related so i was doing that through this i was reintroduced to troy like we had reconnected so um his life partner was consulting with me on the hair care project because he was a celebrity hairstylist and so in us working together troy would be around and so we would Start talking. And it was funny because through the years, ever since I had met him, I always had in the back of my mind, like, I'm gonna make makeup with that guy one day. He mentions to me, uh, because he knows that I've started different businesses, that he had always wanted to do this brand of cosmetics that was all made in Japan because he was really fascinated with Japanese beauty and the market that existed there and the innovation out there. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And he he was a great product developer right like conceptually like knew from a makeup artist point of view what a pro would want in a product and i really understood the consumer the idea was you know japan has a dedication to uncompromising quality and innovation it's embedded in who they are so we'd have conversations like okay ideally where would we price this who is it sitting with and at some point during the process um troy had asked me you know will you be the ceo of the company you run the business i'll do the product and that's kind of how we started someone at barney's heard that we were working on something that there was a brand coming and this is a shopper at barney's in the beauty department he would buy all of the products so the people that work there knew him from coming in and shopping in the store and he had told someone like i'm working on something so she told someone that was a higher up there and they called us in and so we didn't have any actual products but we took this meeting with that you know head of cosmetics and they loved the concept and again it was all built around customization meaning that we would sell these empty palettes and the client could come in and choose what blushes shadows she wants pop them into the compact and it's all refillable so you can build a palette of like whatever shadows and blushes you want as opposed to going up to a counter seeing like four eyeshadows that come together and like this is the look for the season so we go into barney's (laughs) and uh, we show them this deck that we had it wasn't any product it was like it's gonna look like this but a little like this and like that and they're like we love it and we're relaunching our beauty departments we're renovating new york and beverly hills we want you to go into 12 stores and we want the exclusive for the first year in the united states can you make the timeline can you launch in eight months i think it was and i was like yeah we can do it (laughs) and we went up to fred's and had a coffee and looked at each other and we said how are we going to do this we, this is it's a million dollar project it's like minimum and they just kind of looked at me and i was like okay so we'll raise a million dollars and we had committed to barney's and i had to figure it out then a girl that was helping us on our packaging had said oh you know my husband's friend works in finance and i think he invests in some things like Why don't you go meet him? And he loved the pitch. And he said, we do this meeting, you know, once a month where we invite entrepreneurs to come in and like kind of like Shark Tank, right? But it's like all these finance guys, like 20 guys having pizza, like very casually after work. And like, we go in and we're all dressed up, you know? And we talk about what we're gonna do. And apparently we left the room and every guy in the room was like, out of all the brands we've seen, that one's gonna make it. So I think the first round, we raised the million. And I think we had six or seven guys that were invested at different levels so we raised the money we got the business off the ground we have all the products shipped from japan we didn't have time to carton it in japan because we were going to miss the deadline and barney sold like a three month supply in the first two weeks and then everyone started calling so sephora mecca in australia liberty of london harrods like everyone and so we would just do meetings. That's how it really started. They saw your product so at Barney's? Everyone saw it at Barney's, which was part of the strategy, right? It was like, launch here. Like, who, who, where's the place that does the brand discovery? It was Barney's. So we knew that every buyer in the world would be walking through that department, particularly when they relaunched their beauty department. Like, all eyes were in the store. And like, oh, what's this brand? So we went from there. We couldn't open anyone in the US for the first year because of our exclusive and we opened liberty in london which was also an amazing partner a great store also a place of discovery so you had other buyers from other countries coming through there you're still in your first year yeah we were three people and then like a couple of interns at that point operating at a level of like brands that had been in business for 30 years then we opened sephora which was like Sephora is the dream, right? It was a huge financial undertaking. We had to go out and raise more money. And so we raised like $2.5 million the second round. So it was again, while we're finishing up like the first year of business, we're now going into fundraising mode again, which is very, very taxing and could be disheartening at times. I mean, it was just a complex period of time, but um, we raised it. And that gave us the funds to go ahead and open Sephora. And then in year three, we were having significant cash flow issues. And at that point, a lot of private equity firms were reaching out to us just in general because they were watching what we were doing. We met with a lot of people and eventually we did take a deal and it turned out to be, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but an ideal situation for me personally. I was at the point where I really was going to step back. I had had two more children, so I have four kids. I was commuting from New Jersey several times a week, and it was it was hard. It was hard to have the responsibility of investors' money retailers' expectations, manufacturers' expectations. I was waking up in the morning, like checking bank accounts, checking receivables, like chasing retailers for money, making products, dealing with all of our people in the field. It's like to say full-time job is an understatement. And I was tired. And so I said, you know, maybe it's good for someone else to come in and also be involved, but I don't need to, I don't need to be like in the power position anymore like it's okay but you took, everyone you took a deal with a private took equity a deal with private equity they they did not it was not a complete buyout they um they bought majority of the company and infused us with growth capital and we have a fairly distinguished board of directors that we answer to but they work you know very closely with us on growing the brand and yeah that yeah. was in 2017 so that was in yeah at the end of 2017. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost three years now. And then you stepped down as CEO. I stepped down as CEO when that happened. Our new president came in. She's still with us. It's just been a very nice change. Do you remember your biggest down moment over the years? My biggest challenge was really before we took our private equity deal, I was probably a hundred pounds and I was working like, at really a ridiculous rate. I was super stressed out. There was a lot of tension, you know, in the partnership of the business. I was trying to make everyone happy. I felt like I couldn't make anyone happy. Um, It was just hard. It was a a really, really low point. I think that (laughs) I probably felt like I was gonna burst out crying at any given moment. And it was at one point where I literally just threw my hands up and said, like, I surrender this entire situation. Whatever is going to be is going to be either we're going to go out of business or we're going to get some money and it's going to go in a different direction. So now 2020, how many stores are you guys in today? So I'd say we're in about 200 points of sale. You know, we're in Hong Kong, Germany, Sweden, um, really all over the world but not saturated all over the world. So just like key stores, like there's a lot of opportunities still out there.